0: You have all made it through the dance. You have all made it, made it through. Coming to you from the X Access. It's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades Podcast, episode 327. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And on this week's show, something I don't always do on this show, but I'm not one to turn down an opportunity. So here we go. I'm talking with a candidate for elected office. And on my show today is Joe O'Day. He is currently seeking the Republican nomination for Senate to run against Michael Bennett this fall. Now, I didn't seek this interview. It was offered to me by Joe's campaign team. Joe's campaign team, folks I've worked with pretty extensively people I really like, people I really respect, people I trust. And they said, would you like to interview Joe? We know you don't do a lot of political content on this show, and that's fine. So he's got a great story if you just want to talk about his businesses. Well, we live in a moment where pretty much everything is political. Even the sentence, I'm not a political person, is just stupid on its face. The choice to not be political is in itself political. So I go, sure. Why not? Let's talk to Joe. And I'll just put this out there right up front, too. I have a minor, you're going to love this story, very brief footnote of history with Joe O'Day. He owns like six businesses in Denver. One's a construction company. One's a concrete company. He owns the venue Mile High Station, which if you're listening to this, you've probably been to something there because it's a great venue and it's right near Mile High Stadium. And he owns Ironworks. Now, when Ironworks was launching, they put out an RFP, for companies to do the rollout campaign, like do publicity. They're going to launch it. They're going to unveil it to the public. They solicited companies to bid on it. I was one of those companies. Went in for an interview. They did not choose me. Had a long interview with Joe and his team there. They ultimately went in another direction. Okay, that's it. That's literally the only time I've met Joe in my life. I told him that story. He didn't remember who I was. It was four years ago. I certainly don't blame him. He's got plenty going on. Now, with that out of the way... I feel it important to talk about approach here, because when it comes to people running for elected office, it's not my job to endorse one candidate or another. That's not why you come to this show. That's not what you're looking for. And I can't imagine you caring about my opinion all that much anyway. But if you're running for office, you are going to make decisions that affect us all. I owe it to you as an interviewer to ask him direct questions about his campaign about what he plans to do and what differentiates him from his opponent. I did my best to do that in this interview. Did I always succeed? I don't know. My interview style is generally pretty friendly. I'm not afraid to get pointed, but I would say I'm consistently pretty genial on this show, right? I like to say I'm not doing the smile time fun hour here. Like this isn't the Merv Griffin show from the seventies or when Kramer resurrected the set on that episode of Seinfeld, but it also isn't 60 minutes. So, Try to ask him direct questions, let him answer those, and then you can decide for yourself how you feel about his answers. The other part of this interview, when we're talking about his venues and his other businesses, that's a little friendlier. So that's me kind of laughing along with him and more or less endorsing things because I've been to Mile High Station before. It's a great venue. My fondness for it is not going to influence the way I vote any more than it is yours or anyone else's. But you'll sort of notice the differentiator there. On one hand, I'm asking him direct questions about politics and policy and government. On the other, we're sort of laughing along talking about the Broncos, or I'm asking him about projects that are meaningful to him in his history of his construction company, or we're talking about how we both grew up in Denver, that kind of thing. So I just note that here. Secondly, if Joe is successful in this primary and becomes the challenger to Michael Bennett, I'm going to send an invitation to Michael Bennett's staff and invite him on this show as well, because... I've done Joe O'Day. May as well make the invitation to Michael Bennett, too. I have some questions for him, certainly. So with that out of the way, just a quick plug here. If you're listening to me on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts, and there's an ability to rate, review, and subscribe, please do so. A rating takes like two seconds. Just click that button. Give me five stars or whatever you think I deserve. And boom, done. You have a couple more seconds? Just drop a note about something you like about the show. Whatever it is. Ratings, reviews really help. So do subscribes. Hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes come directly to you. That helps the algorithm. I don't know how. I've been in podcasting for eight years, but Apple is generally pretty opaque when it comes to this, as are the other platforms. They don't tell you much. But doing those three things, they do help. More listens equals higher visibility, and I thank you. That's the only plug I'm going to do. We're going to get to this week's episode. It's number 327, and I feature Joe O'Day who's a Colorado native, he's the owner of multiple businesses here in Colorado, and he is running to be the Republican candidate for Senate to oppose Michael Bennett here in 2022, and his episode starts right now. Oh, uh, at least eight. <laughs> it's so, Thursday, so yeah. if you do the math on it, that's, that's a lot. And how, how are you finding the rhythms of that?
1: Uh, you know, sometimes it's uh, fun, sometimes it's a little bit of work. It's uh uh meeting a lot of great people across the state, which I I've really enjoyed. People are fired up this year. They're excited about uh not a career politician, a guy that's a business owner running for uh, the US Senate. So it's it's a
0: it's a great time to be in this uh race. Good. Well, I I was curious about it. How much are you dealing with campaign work versus you got a bunch of businesses that you run? How how is your day divided between the two at this point?
1: So right now I'm probably 90% on the campaign trail, uh, running a, a, a really good campaign against Michael Bennett. Uh, the 10% that I uh, do with my businesses is mainly phone calls, answering a few, few sure. questions. We've got a great team there. You know, my wife and I have been blessed. Uh, we've really lived the American dream here in Colorado, and and been allowed to be successful because of of the great people that are around my business. So I got a couple nephews that are there, nice. and then a couple of other uh, seasoned veterans that uh, are keeping the doors going.
0: Yeah, you miss open. it?
1: Uh, I miss the people. I, I really enjoy. Um, You know, you spend more time with the workforce than you do with your family most. (laughs) That's true, yeah. uh, Most of us do, especially entrepreneurs that, you know, can't leave it alone. So I'm used to a 60-, 70-hour week. And so I really miss the people. I really do.
0: Well, you've had your business now for how long? Uh, And and how many businesses do you have?
1: Oh, I've got six or so. And we've we've got... uh, um you know just give you a little history uh, yeah i was born here in colorado i'm fourth generation uh grew up over by bible park southeast denver
0: oh yeah we're not far from there right now
1: right, right. we're this is our home, home okay yeah, yeah this gotcha. was a dirt field when i was a kid we <laughs> rode our bikes
0: through it so so my parents came here in 1971 and in that time the hot spot in denver was glendale Right. So, and, uh, I mean, Glendale, great part of town. Right. As a teenager, we used to go down to Glendale. There was a great bar
1: down there called the Blue Goose Bar. It's no longer there, but, uh. We used to go there when I was uh, a youngster, but I uh, grew up here in Southeast Denver, went to Mullen High School, JK Mullen is a all-boys Catholic school. Had a lot of friends go there. Uh, You've been to Piccolo pizzas then? Of course. Well, of course. Well, I got a dishwashing job to <laughs> pay for my tuition. My dad took me up there and I uh, washed dishes on the weekends. Nice. And so, uh we just, you know, this is this is Denver, this is Colorado. Grew up here, um chased my wife on up to CSU. Just before that, I got a carpenter's card. I'm a carpenter by trade. And then uh, she was pretty hot, so I chased her up there, and I got most of my construction management degree. And we started the business out of our basement in 1983. Wow. Doing driveways, doing whatever I could get a hold of. I did home remodels. I did whatever I could do. And uh, we've built that to 300 families now at at CEI Constructors, uh, Concrete Express. Uh, We also own Franklin Precast. Mile High Station, Ironworks Event Center. So we built a, a really nice little niche. Um, like I said, America's been great to us. Uh, this is the dream. This is what yeah. people uh, live for. And so we want to make sure that other people have that same ability with their careers.
0: Gotcha. So a couple of things. One, I'm a CSU alum. so Go Rams. Yeah, right after my own <laughs> heart there. Um, love Fort Collins. Love CSU. And secondly, this is Joe O'Day, who is a candidate for U.S. Senate here in Colorado. We have not done the primary yet, but you are looking to unseat Michael Bennett. My question to you is, with all of that going on, and also, it's amazing to me that you have construction businesses and then event venues, right? You wouldn't necessarily pair those together in your mind. Right. Um, But both of those require a lot of detail, a lot of focus, So my question to you is, having built these successful businesses, why run for Senate? That's going to be the first question on anyone's mind. Why run for Senate?
1: Well, you know, I I just, uh, as I told you earlier, we've been blessed. And I've watched uh, from afar uh, this great nation start to fall apart. And I'm really worried about the direction it's headed. I'm at a place in my career where I can step back from my businesses. I've got great people there running it. Uh, Melissa Alvino's running our uh, event centers. I've met her. Derek Rowland is uh, running our construction companies. And Andy Blackford's running our precast facilities. And so I've got great people there that have taken over, jumped in. This is, if if not me, who? And if not now, when? So my wife and I prayed over it and really decided that we could make a difference for Colorado. And So I jumped in this race in October. Um, We've raised more money than any of the other Republicans in the race. You know, we can't quite touch with Michael Bennett's race because that's all coming from out of state. That's other people worried about the blue party and not about Colorado. And I'm about Colorado. That's why I threw my hat in the race. We need somebody here that will make great decisions for Colorado.
0: Okay, so I'm curious about that. There's a couple of issues there that I'm, that I'm interested in. One is jumping from having no political experience to the Senate is, the, is quite the audacious step. Why not go more incrementally? you know, to, to gain some government experience, or did you feel like this was the right fit for you and why?
1: Well, so I've spent most of my career working for municipalities, CEI constructors, builds roads, bridges across all of Colorado. I've literally hand my hands in the dirt of Colorado all over, mm. from Vail to Aspen to Durango into the metro area. And I've had the experience of working with a lot of great people that work for government. Most of our contracts are... Municipal, sure. And I've just been able to see from the backside a lot of inefficiencies, mm-hmm. a lot of things that could be corrected. So this race looked appealing to me. I wanted to be at a national level where I could make a difference for not only Colorado, but all of the United States. And so uh, I've got more than the right experience because I've been on the receiving end of all of the policies that these people have been passing mm-hmm. for years and years. And I know what it does to employees. I know what it does to our businesses. And so I'm going to use that knowledge to start hacking back at government.
0: We need to get smaller, more efficient government. Okay. Can you give me an example of a policy that has negatively impacted you uh, or your business that uh, is an example of something that you would either like to roll back or something that you know you, you think could be more efficient? Well, it, it's I call it death by a thousand cuts because it's
1: incremental, right? It's been happening since I started my business. Um, stormwater management has grown completely out of control for our businesses, right? That's, In what way? Well, it, we're putting silt fence up on, fence, on sites that don't have any uh, rivers running through them. Okay. I mean, we're, we've got, it's just over the top because people read a, a directive and they want to check a box and they don't think about the practical solutions that are out there. And so that's just one. I've seen it at our, uh, you know, our, our, our event centers were closed down for 14 months because of COVID, 20,000 square feet. You've been to the venue. I have many right? times. Couldn't have a wedding with 50 people and masks on with the windows open. We have garage doors all the way around Mile High Station. What month did
0: you attempt to do this?
1: Oh, I think that was like June after we'd been closed by 14, 12 or 13 months. It, it, it was ridiculous. And so you had this hypocrisy running through all of the governments. You had... Home Depot, wide open, right? Yeah. And then you got all these mom-and-pop shots that are uh, closed. So um, there, there needs to be some reasonability and some common sense in government, and I feel like I can bring that.
0: That's fair. I mean, that uh, your issue with that is with the state or with the city at that point, though, right? But it all comes down from the top, right? I mean, that's,
1: that's where the mandates, that's where they all came from. Nobody uh, kicked back and said, wait a minute, let's use a little common sense here. <laughs> We can't shut our whole United States down for 18 months and not expect to have some
0: outfall from it. Look
1: at what's going on right now.
0: You know, it's interesting. You brought up Home Depot. It seemed to be applied unevenly the, the decision-making was sort of opaque in a lot of ways. You know, what, what can be open and what cannot be open? Is that what you're sort of alluding to?
1: Exactly. And so you had uh, people that were um, having weddings in their backyard that were in excess of 100, 150 people. At the same time, we were closed. And so there just needed to be somebody with some common sense to say, hold on. Let's do this responsibly. We can do it with masks on. We can do it with all those protocols. We demonstrated
0: that. But we
1: just didn't have any reasonability around any of these issues.
0: Right, and perhaps a lack of explanation as well.
1: Exactly.
0: And so do as I
1: say. (laughs) A
0: lot of that going on, right? Not as I do. No, that's fair. So, okay, if people are looking at you versus Michael Bennett, why should someone cast a vote for you? Colorado uh, divided fairly evenly between Democrats, Republicans, and independents. Why should someone pick you over Michael Bennett?
1: Oh, so that's really easy. Look at the policies that are in place right now and look at the condition of inflation. Look at the price of gas. $4 and, uh, it was $4.20 was four dollar and this morning went up another dime is what we heard. Mm. Um, we've got record level inflation. We've got record level crime. Uh, they just put $100 on your heating bill. If you didn't notice, you'll get to pay that for your air conditioning this summer as well. Um, we've got record-level uh, fentanyl coming across the, the a wide-open border that he could have helped close down, but he hasn't. So all these issues are, are Michael Bennett's issues. He votes with Biden 100% of the time. He's been a rubber stamp for Chuck Schumer. And so when you look at my candidacy, I'm running to turn the spigot back on here. We need to go back to work in Colorado. We have the cleanest gas molecule in the world here in Colorado. So why would we import from Venezuela or, or some you know despot or dictator overseas when we've got these great jobs that could be available here in Colorado? So there's a stark difference between
0: myself and, and soft Senator Bennett. I think you make some interesting points, and especially my background is in oil and gas. Like I, I spent a lot of time working in oil and gas in this state. I believe in domestic energy production. That is a very important issue to me. One thing that I think when it comes to voting, voting ultimately becomes a binary, right? It's you versus Michael Bennett. Um, Michael Bennett might be looking to differentiate himself on social issues. Where do you stand on some of the social issues that he's likely... likely to ask you about or that you are likely to get asked about for instance the recent leaked memo about roe versus wade
1: sure so you know i'm not running my campaign on social issues that's not what's important to working americans right now they're concerned about their groceries they're concerned about the price of gas they're concerned about heating or their house they're concerned about those issues but you know i don't believe that social issues are going to play that big a role here in in colorado most of them are are uh There are already laws that, you know, I would support that are already in place. I've been asked the Roe v. Wade question several times. I'm going to tell you right now I don't support uh, late-term abortions, but I also don't support taking away women's rights earlier in the pregnancy. I think that question belongs between her and her doctor, not me or government. I grew up that government should be small and out of the way, and that's, that's how I believe. And I also believe that we need to spend a little more time Making sure that adoption can work here in Colorado and in the United States, uh, it's a deeply personal issue for me. My brother and myself and my sister were all adopted. Mm. So we had some you know uh, male and female somewhere, that my parents, uh, biological parents, that uh, you know did the right thing, and so
0: I got to live a great life with uh, my uh, mom and dad. My, my parents uh, struggled with infertility for like 10 years. Uh, we 're on adoption lists. Um, I agree with you on making adoption easier because it is an onerous, expensive, very, very difficult process um, right. in a lot of cases. That said, I think if if people are are looking to that, perhaps that answer is reassuring you know because I, it, it does weigh on the mind because what the thing I cannot reconcile in my head with conservatism right now is personal liberty, personal responsibility, keep the government out of our lives, except for in the case of women's health. And that is frustrating to me. Do you have a reaction to that? I would just say that,
1: you know, um, I I think there needs to be balance. It's a very, very complicated issue. And uh, personally, I don't think government uh, should be involved in every part of our lives. So Uh, I would concur. I, I, I believe that's the right path forward is somewhere in the middle.
0: So the Senate is an interesting body because you will have 99 colleagues. The Senate is in many ways a team sport. But let's say you are successful and you unseat Michael Bennett. What is at the top of your wish list for things to do when you get in there?
1: Well, first off, I'm going to look at everything through the lens that I'm running my campaign on because it's what's important to me. And and that's to be the voice of working Americans here. When I talk about working Americans, I'm talking about middle class. I'm talking about small business owners, you know, single parents, retirees, those of us that contribute, we produce – We've been playing by the rules. We've been paying for all this tax and spend spree they've been on in Washington for far too long. So I'll have that lens. That lens really supports a small government. It supports looking at the numbers in every department and trying to figure out how to make them more efficient so they can give us less help, if you will. We don't need help. We need the government out of our way. And so that will be the focus
0: that I have as I as I enter the Senate. Do you have a view on bipartisanship? You've, you've mentioned uh, – that you feel this current regime that we have is not working, but should the opportunity arise to work across the aisle? Is that something that appeals to you?
1: Yeah, I I really do think that, you know, the partisanship, uh is difficult. Um it's it's us or them. I, I, that's not how I've run my businesses, that's not how I run our family. That's not how I I interact with other people. It's never us or them. It's it's always about taking the best ideas and trying to put a policy in place that really works for everybody. So, you know, I'll have that lens on. I I really have a lot of respect for Joe Manchin and what he's been able to do. You know, he's really concerned with West Virginia and that's who put him in the seat. I'll do the same thing for Colorado. If it's good for Colorado, then we'll get behind it. If it's bad for Colorado, then we won't. And that's how we'll treat it.
0: Have you had any interactions with Senator Bennett yet? I met him a couple times years ago. Okay. So, but, but like not as a candidate, you haven't crossed paths yet. Not yet. No. Okay. If you were to cross paths with him, what would you like to tell him to his face? Well,
1: I, I just think he needs to wake up and see what's going on with our economy. Um, I I don't think you can kill drilling permits either at the state level or the federal level and not look over your shoulder and see $4.20 gas Mm. and not think, wow, that's a pretty expensive tank of gas for working Americans here in Colorado. So I would really like to see him look and see
0: how's that affecting Coloradans. Sure. Uh, I, I, think that's, I think that's a valid question, and it'll be interesting if you get the opportunity to do that. Shifting gears slightly, uh, I think I'd, I'd be interested to know the rhythms of running six businesses that, that you mentioned. You said you have six or seven, and now you are dedicating 90% of your time to being a candidate. How are those rhythms different, and how are you taking to them?
1: Well, I, you know, that's one of the differences between uh, – Senator Bennett and myself, I've worked hard all my life. I've, nothing's come easy. We've worked hard for it. And so I understand how to get up at 4.30 in the morning <laughs> and work till 10.30 at night. I understand how to put a payroll on my credit card so I can make sure our employees got paid. I understand how to go run down to somebody's office and pick up a check so we can get payroll paid for on Friday. So all of those things uh, kind of set me up to where this is a, almost a little bit easier, to be honest with you. <laughs> how about so, You don't hear that every. Day. No, you know, it's a different rhythm, but um, it's it's just hard work. And, and that's how I'll get across the finish line in November is because
0: I'll outwork him. That's, that's what I do. So Joe, how do you, if you're working that hard and you're going through the grind in that way, how do you handle self-care? How do you make sure you take care of yourself? How do you avoid burnout? How do you decompress at the end of a day?
1: Uh, well, I get to spend a little time with my wife and uh, generally we make time every day to at least get an hour together and and hang out. I also take uh, at least one day a week off. These guys have been pretty good about at least giving me one day a week off. Sure. You know, and there's some mornings where I get up and, and I'm moving a little slow because we've been out till 1030 the last night and, you know, making sure we get back from Sterling or make sure we get back from Lyman. Um, so, you know, I just, I've kind of taken it in stride. Again, it's it, hard work is all I've ever known. So this isn't that different. <laughs> okay.
0: that's uh, That's a remarkable answer. What do you and your wife like to do? when you are not working
1: well we actually ride horses we've got a couple quarter horses we uh, ranch sort and team pen have for years um, I've got some world titles that uh, we won. I've won some really big events with my wife. I won a rodeo down in San Antonio with her one time. When was which that? Which was phenomenal. That was about 2013, 2012. Wow. And so... So uh,
0: that's not that long <laughs> ago, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> forgive me for being surprised.
1: Well, it, it's just something we, we picked up about uh, 20 years ago, and, and we've been able to share it together. Um, I got her hooked on horses, and so she's a better rider than I am now. Which is all good, but uh, we still spend an enormous amount of our time horseback. That's a good time to, to decompress, and we can talk and maybe do a little trail ride. We haven't penned uh, this year. We're planning on going here once in June, but uh, uh, that's what we do.
0: Okay. Well, that, I mean, that sounds nice. Yeah, you take in some landscape, get some conversation, you get some downtime, you're away from everything else. It sounds nice to me. Did I hear somewhere that you are a former rodeo guy? Uh, my brother and I grew up with
1: little britches rodeo and then I Jim Conant as a teenager and, uh, I rode in a few rodeos as a teenager. I wasn't very good at it. Okay. What, so what that's why, <laughs> uh, well, I, I, did some barebacks. Okay. Um, and I spent more time in the dirt than I did on top. So <laughs> that's a good time to get out. Um, busted sure. up my body pretty well. So, uh,
0: that's, that's just kind of what we did as kids. That is a high impact sport, any lingering issues from that?
1: I just got a back surgery here oh in, no really in January it finally gave out and uh we uh but we were at a at a debate seven days after surgery, so we we've recovered and we're starting to get right after it again
0: Wow, seven days after surgery, I herniated i think it was my l four l five i can't remember which one, but I managed to avoid surgery so you're lucky, yeah, and the um the back surgeon said, he's like, what do you do? Oh, he first of all, he said it's the biggest disc herniation he'd ever seen. And I go, thank you. Because <laughs> what, what else do you say to that? Right. But I, I was doing a lot of physical therapy, and he said, what do you do? And I said, I'm self-employed. And he goes, yeah, folks like you... Even if you do back surgery, they got to get up and move around. A lot of people will come in and be like, yeah, I need back surgery. And I go, well, I don't know if I recommend that for you. They want to be laid up for a little while because back surgery is torturous. How, how is it for you? Uh,
1: you know, the first couple days were a little rough, but we got up. We I was up three hours after surgery. They got me up and got me moving and uh, stayed on the drugs for a couple days and then got off of everything except for acetaminophen and uh, just really went back to work, got on the phone, really started working on the fundraising piece of it. And like I said, we were at a debate with the uh, Weld County women's uh, Republicans down there. Was this uh, like
0: a primary debate?
1: It was, primary debate. We showed up, and uh, I, th- I think we held our own, so was yeah, good. I was,
0: was going to ask, how'd it go for you? It was good. It was good. It was good. I think uh, in prepping for this interview, I think I heard you say you weren't terribly accustomed to public speaking, like a lot. But as someone who has taught public speaking... I know that not everyone loves it. How are you feeling about your public speaking now?
1: Uh, well, you know, I came into the race, and I thought, boy, this is going to be a little difficult to overcome. And then I, I listened to Kamala Harris a couple times, and I thought, wow, she's horrible. I can I can definitely be better than that. And, and so, uh, you know, through that, I've got a rhythm about it. I, I, I kind of know what my campaign is about. I know what's important to working Americans. So it's become easier, and uh, I'm not afraid of it.
0: It's, it's been two presidents in a row now that have had quite the unusual public speaking style. Yeah. Um, that's it's, it's been odd to watch, and it's been an interesting transition going from President Trump to President Biden. And just in terms of pure elocution and clarity of thought, it makes me miss Obama. <laughs> and even, even to a certain extent, President Bush, who had his own sort of anach- anachronistic style. But seem to get there a little bit more clearly than president Trump or president Biden. Sure. They, I, you know, both of those guys kind of had a
1: mission and I think they knew where they wanted to go. Mm. Um, but you know, president Trump's pretty personable. Um, he seems to really, uh, of, uh, grabbed a grassroots movement that he's caused Biden. On the other hand, I'm, I'm kind of curious what he's talking about. Sometimes, uh, I, I joke when I'm at these, uh, Lincoln day dinners that, uh, um, help me save my name, Joe. Um, Joe used to be a good steady name, right? Kind of toolbox Joe. You could depend on Joe. Well, the, he's kind of fumbling, bumbling, <laughs> and uh, he hasn't done our name any justice. And the good news is, is he thinks his name is Brandon now. So that, that's uh, a little bit funny in, in a big room. So that's that's where we're at.
0: In terms of, you mentioned President Trump, and I know there are candidates, Republican candidates all across the country, sort of torn about how much they embrace Trump's base versus resisting Trump's base, because Republican voters, some of them really, really like Trump. Some of them really, really don't. And I would say that's probably overrepresented among independents. Where do you stand in terms of President Trump?
1: Well, there's a lot of good policies that I thought the Trump administration put in place. You know, he he really worked hard on the border issue, which we can see now. That's a complete debacle by the Biden administration. Uh, he worked good on tri- China trade. Uh, He boosted uh, uh, wages across the country. He got government out of the way. I thought a lot of his policies were really good. Um, At the same time, you know, I'm running my campaign. I'm running one campaign. It's directed right at Michael Bennett. My name is Joe Day. I'm running at Michael Bennett, and that's who I'm going to replace. And I'm really not concerned with getting uh, an endorsement from from anyone. The endorsement I really want is from the Colorado Voter. That's who I'd love to have behind
0: my campaign. I only ask it because you're going to get asked it again and again and again, because, I mean, that's sort of for better and worse, I would say, the state of the Republican Party in 2022.
1: Sure. Well, you know, I can't control who endorses who. I'm not going out to Mar-a-Lago, but I'm not going to Crawford, Texas, either to get GW's endorsement. I'm focused on Joe O'Day running my campaign right at Michael
0: Bennett here in Colorado. So what's uh, what's coming up? What's on the horizon for you? So we're, as we sit here and record this in May, the primary happens in? End of June, June 28th. We're going to need to get everybody out to vote. That's what we need to happen. And, uh, okay, so beyond that, and in Colorado we have open primaries, which, which is really nice. So in terms of your appeal to Republicans and independents, what's your pitch to them? You, you've alluded to this before, but what's your direct pitch to the voters about why you should be the Republican nominee? Well, it's
1: about the policies. And it's about the policies that are in place right now that have caused record-level inflation. We've got record-level gas right now, prices. We get reminded every time we go fill up, right, it's $50 more. Uh, per load for a lot of guys that are, you know, especially out in rural Colorado where the commutes are are, oh, are sure, very yeah. distant. We've got problems at the grocery store right now. I just saw the other day that they can't get baby formula, which, uh. you know, that's putting a lot of pressure on, on some mothers here in Colorado. That's a big deal. We got a problem with our heating bills. They're a hundred dollars more than they were. Crime is at an all time high. That's a democratic policy problem, right? That's we defunded, we demoralized the police. Uh, we didn't get behind them, and at the same time, we've got woke DAs that are working this catch and release program. That you know, cops catch them, they turn them loose. Um, we can't hold anybody accountable, and I think that's really frustrating for a lot of working Americans here in Colorado. And that message really resonates not only with good, staunch Trump Republicans. It's it's with moderate Republicans. It's with independents, conservatives. It's even resonating with a lot of disenchanted. Democrats that are saying, hey, our country has left us. We need to get things back on track. And so I'm going to be an option to get that done. I'm going to come there with policies that will free up the market. I'm going to make sure that we can get back to drilling so we can get the price of gas back down. Those are issues that Michael Bennett has rubber stamped for the Democratic Party for years. So I'm clearly a different candidate. And I think my message is going to resonate.
0: Okay, Let, let me ask you a question about crime. Um, Because I know in in terms of Colorado, property crime, there was sentencing reform in terms of that. How do you tackle something like the astronomical level of auto theft that we have in Colorado from a federal level?
1: Well, from a federal level, you you make sure that when you pass bills, you put tentacles on those bills that make sure that they have to hold people accountable. Mm. That's how you do it. You make sure funding has... Repercussions. You're not going to fund an organization that isn't going to keep people accountable, and I think that's how you do it. You make sure that they're going to be held accountable.
0: I want to pivot a little bit to uh, to something a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit more fun. Let's go back to your business, um, your business days. What is a project through the construction company or the concrete company that was most fun or something you're most proud of working on?
1: Well, I actually have two that are really really cool. We uh, we're working on uh, Clear Creek County and Jefferson County uh, Bike Path going up the Clear Creek Canyon coming out of Golden. Um, I'm from Golden. Yeah, Peaks to Plains. You've seen it go on. I have. It's just one of the most beautiful park situations that they've ever put in place here in Colorado. It's going to be a great resource. Eventually, you'll be able to... Ride your bike from Dia all the way to Glenwood Springs, and so <laughs> wow. th- yeah, this is a this is really going to uh, change some things. People fly in with their bikes and they'll ride all the way to Glenwood Springs out of Dia. It'll be incredible. It's a mo- about a hundred mile ride, so Jeez. Um, you'll be able to do that on bike pass going up. And so we've been part of that project. Uh, we're really proud of it. We've been out there for fourteen years on different phases. The other one I'm really proud of is is the one we just finished out at uh, Chatfield Reservoir. Uh, good water groups got together here and decided that hey, we could put 12 more feet of free water on uh, Chapfield if we if we redo it. And so I was part of rebuilding that. And it's you go out there now and you know you hear the birds chirping, you hear you see deer in the fields. I mean, it, they just did a phenomenal job of restoring those those areas. Wow,
0: I have been to beer fests, weddings, and assorted of other events at Mile High Station. Do you have one that stands out? Do you have uh, a group that was Fun or unusual or something from Mile High Station that that really stands out in your memory?
1: You know, my daughter's wedding. I got to Oh, That's hard, right? (laughs) That was easy. Um, But I I didn't realize what a great place uh, Ironworks and Mile High were until I actually uh, (laughs) was a customer. And so um, that's my most favorite. uh, uh, Walking her down a set of stairs and and giving her to David was was
0: awesome. Uh, It's a phenomenal venue for both weddings festivals and like what any basically whatever event you want to do there yeah. it, it was terrific and i have not been to ironworks yet
1: you know you got to get over to ironworks my wife is the is the decorator there she did all the renovation and did just a phenomenal job. It's it's really a piece of history for Colorado. That building was built in I believe eighteen oh or nineteen oh three, and so we've renovated it. And you can get a cold beer in there. Um, I I love the the whole facility. I think one of our favorite events is is the beer fest that we put on about four times a year. Uh, we open up the parking lots now. It's gotten so ah, cool. big right. um, that you know we'll have several thousand people come through there. Uh, another great event is is uh, Bronco Sunday. uh oh, sure. Bronco Sunday is phenomenal at at, at Mile High Station. We uh, typically do about eighteen hundred burgers and brats within about a four hour period. So it's a wow. it, it, It's a lot of people all in. Go to the game, and then we we're, were watching the game there afterwards. Now too, so
0: come on back and see us. And finally, some hope for the Broncos as well. Uh,
1: you know they're relevant again. I think
0: yeah. the Russell
1: Wilson trade was was brilliant. That, that was I really that was, like
0: what they're doing. That was quite the piece of business pulling that. Out yes that was exciting um yeah it's it's been some tough years for the broncos here um some i would say some underwhelming coaching choices and some unusual personnel moves and i i imagine that has an effect on your bottom line as well oh it's it's
1: directly correlated to their record uh it's wow when they're they're good and peyton manning was uh winning games our sales were off the chart and when they uh kind of didn't do so well we suffered so we're glad to see russell wilson
0: Fantastic. All right, well Joe, this is the part on the show where we do plugs, where can people find you? Where can they stay up on your campaign? If you want to plug where people can donate, anything you want to plug, the floor is yours.
1: Sure, so we've got a website set up. It's joeode.com. That's j o e o d e a.com. Uh there's a spot on there where you can uh, go in and hit hits hit a button and make a donation. These races are can be expensive. Uh, I'd love to have a lot of Coloradans jump into this race and help me. Uh, like I said, that's the endorsement I'm looking for. Michael Bennett's uh, money's being raised from out of state. And let's, uh, you know, let's do what we can to
0: take Colorado back. That's that's why I'm running. I will put a link to that in the companion blog piece. That'll be on johnofalltrades.us. Also in the show notes. So if you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Audible, wherever you get your pods, the links will all be in there. Joe, thank you for taking some time to talk to me. It's, it's a pleasure getting to hear from you and hear about your background and your platform. Uh, and I wish you continued success. I
1: appreciate it. Thanks for having me today,
0: John. I really do. And that'll do it for episode 327 of the John of All Trades podcast. Joe O'Day really enjoyed my chat. Thank you for the opportunity. You can find the links he mentioned in the companion blog piece or in the show notes, no matter what podcast platform you're listening on. The fact that I put it in there does not equate to an endorsement. I simply give my guests the opportunity to plug whatever they want. That's what he chose to do. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. If you need PR services, that's me. I'm happy to do it. If you also are thinking about starting a podcast, I can help you get that going. Whether it's front-end production, show running, or anything else, Talk to me. I can get you set up. Email me at john, J-O-N, at deftcom.us. Our sponsor is 4 Degrees. The number 4, D-E-G-R-E Anything you're doing online, 4 Degrees can help you do it better. Whether you're running an email campaign, doing social media marketing, online advertising, or anything else on the computer, whether it's just building a great website, 4 Degrees can help you do that and optimize it. The number 4, D-E-G-R-E J-O-A-T pod is my social media handle. That is true of Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. Episode previews are exclusive to Facebook only. Those go up on Mondays. New episodes drop on Wednesdays. Available on Podcatchers everywhere. Wherever you get your pods, you'll find me. I'm out of here for this week. I've got another episode coming at you next week. We're going to change gears once again. That's one I'm really looking forward to. I think you'll enjoy it. So take care of yourselves. I hope you're doing well. And until I hear you again... Take a night, Gracie.
1: That's good, Johnny.